Good morning. My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have all of you with us on this uh, Sunday morning before Christmas Eve, before Christmas. And uh, before I go on, you might have noticed these cards that were sitting in every other seat around you, and, uh, and Big John Mayer, as David said earlier, or Daryl said earlier, <laughs> see, I got his name wrong too, uh, John Meyer, as he came up here and gave his uh, speech, was alluding to these. It is our stewardship time of year. We do this every year in December. They say that the best time to, uh, to, to have your stewardship campaign is not in December. Um, they say it's uh, actually another time of year. And then the second best is another time of year. The third time is December. So we're picking third best, really. Uh, you're, that's how we think of you, um, is your third best in our lives. No, um, we, we feel like this is a, a good, good time of year to do it, and it's been a, a good thing for us in the past. So this is why we do it in December. And um, these cards uh, are not for those of you who just showed up today or, or have, haven't been coming here for, for very long. They are for members of this church or for people who are not members, but they call this their church home. Uh, because I know a lot of the New Heights people aren't actually members, but they come here all the time. In fact, um, probably at least 33 to 40, maybe even 50% of the worship team is not a member of our church, but they are here every Sunday and very dedicated people um, to this part of the body of Christ. What do you pledge? What do you tithe? Um, that's between you and God. Uh, you know, God set before you an example. We just um, ask that you would fill these out and, and turn them in. The economy has been tough. We understand that. Uh, you will see that this year we only had one wise man. Usually we have three. I mean, that's how tough the economy is. I mean, the wise men are out looking for other jobs, um, basically. Uh, so uh, I just encourage you to pray about this, think about it. Uh, those of you that are uh, on our mailing list and have been members and are coming for a, a very long time or have given before, received one of these in the mail as well. So uh, just think about it. When you have it, uh, you can put it in the, uh, the offertory box back there. Just mail it back to the church. That's all i got to say about that, which is appropriate since we're talking about the feats of strength today to talk about stewardship because that is a feat of strength, I guess, for some people. Feet of strength. As Daryl said, he did steal my joke. I was going to say, however, that this service will not end until you pin Daryl to the ground, which is a much more daunting task than just pinning me to the ground. But the feet of strength is a, a part of Festivus. And if you haven't been here, uh, what we have been doing for this Christmas season is talking about Festivus, the Festivus for the rest of us. It is a holiday created by Frank Costanza uh, from the Seinfeldian theology tract. Uh, it's the Seinfeld episode uh, called The Strike back in season nine of Seinfeld. It was their final season, and uh, this came out uh, of it. It actually dates back to um, early Rome, uh, the celebration of Festivus. Uh, dates back many, many, many years before Seinfeld grabbed hold of it. Uh, but it was one of the writers in Seinfeld, uh, Dan O'Keefe is his name, his family celebrated a form of Festivus, and he thought it was so funny that he brought it to them, and they ran with it. And it has become um, two books, uh, a, a poll-making industry, uh, many beers and wines, uh, many different things. It's become a life in and of itself. And so we decided to latch on to it this Christmas season, mainly because we wanted to forget the materialistic side of Christmas and what the world has done to it and come back to a simpler form of celebration. If you remember, that's what Festivus, that's its birth spot, was when Frank Costanza was raining blows down upon another man's head as they were reaching for the same toy at Christmas time. So there's got to be another way. <laughs> that's funny. That's my daughter. Um, hi, Grace. 
It was her third birthday yesterday, so she is three years old, so she can do whatever she wants, really. Uh, you go ahead and talk, Garland. Um, so uh, it was uh, a celebration of the simple things in life, and that's what we kind of felt like we wanted to do this year, was, was to look beyond what the world has created Christmas and look at what it should be all about. And so we've talked about, uh, we had the Festivus Feast on the first Sunday, and we talked about the Festivus Poll. Then last week we talked about the airing of the grievances. How many of you went home and told people what you really thought of them? Cowards. One person. Thank you. Yes. I mean, this is the perfect time to do it, right? My brother and his family came down from Austin um, two days ago, and it took them three hours. Yeah. Three hours from Austin, they were bitter. And that was the perfect time to tell them what, you know, what, I, what he thought of me, I guess, really. <laughs> you couldn't come to Austin and... But today we're talking about the feats of strength. And in the episode, what happens is it doesn't end until someone pins Frank to the floor. In fact, let's let's watch it right now. And now as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. Not the feats of strength. <laughs> this year, Yana goes to Mr. Kramer. Oh, gee, Frank, I'm sorry. I got to go. I have to work a double shift at H&H. &H. I thought you were on strike. Yeah, well, I caved. I mean, I really had to use their bathroom. <laughs> Frank, no offense, but this holiday's a little... <laughs> out there. Kramer, you, you can't go. Who's going to do the piece of strength? How about George? <laughs> Good thinking, Cougar. <laughs> Until you pin me, George, Festivus is not over. Oh, please, somebody stop this. Let's rumble! I think you can take him, Georgie. Hey, come on, be sensible. Stop crying and fight your father. Ow! Ow, I got This is I the know. best festival oh, ever! I love that. Stop crying and fight your father. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Does that happen around anybody else's table? Yeah, things like that. Well, the feats of strength have gone on to become varied and greatly, uh, depending on the area of the country that you're from, there are uh, uh, office copier bench pressing uh, feats of strength that happen in a, uh, a festivist party in the Midwest. What they do is they take the office copier, which isn't a huge one, and they see how many times you can raise it over your head. That is their feat of strength. And many different places do it different ways. Wrestling is probably the most widely use feet of strength and i know you're sitting there wondering what does this have to do with baby jesus sweet baby jesus watching his developmental video what does this have to do with the christ child well here's the thing usually around this time of year people start coming back to church usually around this time of year people start thinking once again about the relationship with god People start talking about it amongst themselves with their family members and their friends. They start maybe coming to services, going to a, a Bible study. They start singing Christmas carols laden with scripture. God starts popping up during this time of year. And you know what? It's a good thing. And it's an opportunity to have a feat of strength. It's an opportunity to wrestle with God. See, wrestling with God is one of those things that, that we don't always like to do. We don't always like to talk about because, well, he's God. He's going to win. He's God. He's pretty powerful. But 
wrestling with God is one of the most important things you can do in your life. Wrestling with God is one of the most important things you can do in your life, not only with God and with Christ, but your life. Too many of us confront this time and this time of wrestling with God and have this opportunity to grow deeper in our relationship with God. And we back away from it because it frightens us, makes us a little uncomfortable. Too many of us get to a point in our life where it's time we know to sit down and to have that fight. But we back away. However, it's said that that all true growth comes from real suffering. Jesus has that whole image of pruning, cutting back things in your life. Pruning is a kind of a violent image. And yet that's how he wants us to grow in him. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 32. In Genesis chapter 32, I know that's a long way away from uh, the Christmas story. There, it's talking about Jacob. And Jacob was, if you don't know it, um, his name means basically he was kind of a deceiver. Uh, he was one who, he was a twin, if you remember. And, and as he is born with his brother Esau, he's holding on to his heel. And he comes out and, and from that moment on, he plays the little tricks on Esau. And he eventually gets the blessing that Esau is due from his father because he tricks his father into it. And that causes Esau to become very angry, and Jacob flees for his own life. And he spends lots of time away from his family, and he eventually amounts to great wealth. He has his family, he has his cattle, he has his camels, he has his servants. And he finally decides that it's time to go home. And so this is where we pick up, basically, Jacob is returning to his homeland, to his brother Esau, and he's... He's scared. He's frightened of what he's going to find. He's scared of what Esau is going to do to him when he, when he finds him. And he, and he gets down and he prays to God and nothing happens. And he sends things ahead. He's basically bribes. He sends a whole bunch of presents to Esau. I'm coming. Look, I've made something of myself. Here, have some. And then a night comes where he camps. I'm at verse 22. He camps on one side of a river. But during the night, Jacob got up and sent his two wives, two concubines, and 11 sons across the river. After they were on the other side, he, went, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp. I, I love this. He's so scared that he sends everything else ahead of him. He's like, okay, this is my last shot. Esau is coming with an army of 400 people to greet him. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He just knows that Esau and 400 army people are coming to greet him so he's like okay here's my wives and my son every, everything i own and i'm going to stay back here so hopefully before he gets to it he'll have some sort of uh you know gentle heartedness with me it leaves him alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn when the man saw that he couldn't win the match he struck jacob's hit and knocked it out of joint at the socket then the man said let me go for it is dawn But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. It is now Israel, because you have struggled with both man and God and have won. What is your name, Jacob asked him. Why do you ask me, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. 
The sun rose as he left Peniel, and he, and he was limping because of his hip. That is why even today the people of Israel do not eat any meat from near the hip in memory of what happened that night. Now, scholars will tell you that a wrestling match didn't really occur, that some man didn't mysteriously appear in the camp with Jacob, and they didn't physically wrestle one another, and the night didn't end until Jacob pinned him to the floor. But that's irrelevant in my mind. I like to think that it really did happen. I mean, it's God. You're saying God can't come as a man and wrestle Jacob? But that's not the point. The point is this, that Jacob got alone. He sent everyone ahead of him, and maybe it was for a different reason. Maybe it was because he was so scared he thought that this would pacify his brother Esau. He sent everybody ahead so that he would be alone. But maybe it was just so that he could be alone. Maybe it was just because he was about about to enter into this amazing reunion with his brother, and he needed to get right with God. And so he sent everyone ahead, and he was alone all night long. When's the last time you spent alone time with God? I mean, like, serious amounts of alone time. You remove everything from your life. You separate yourself from people. You separate yourself from music, from, oh my goodness, could this ever leave my side? You separate yourself from the world, and you open yourself up to God. You open yourself up to God and say, God, come. Let's scrap a little bit. There's things going on in my life, and, and I, need, I need some help. Basically, you, you get alone with God and you get authentic with God. You get real with God. You say, God, these are things I know you know, but I, I don't tell anybody else and I don't even like to mention it to myself. These are those things that I hold deep inside of me that I don't want to deal with. Places I know I need to grow, but I, I'm not just quite ready yet. Beat it out of me. I mean, it takes somebody who is willing to greatly suffer to move forward with Christ. That image of picking up your cross and following Christ isn't necessarily an easy one. So Jacob wrestles with God. He wrestles with God. And, and it takes so long because he's holding on to the world. He's holding on to who he was. And God at one point goes, no, that's no longer who you are. You're no longer Jacob. Now you will be Israel. Now you will be Israel. I've had many nights where I've wrestled with God. I've had many nights where I've wrestled with God and God's changed me. I know that my name is still Michael, which means one who is like God, by the way. I know that my name is, is the same as when my parents gave it to me 35 years ago. But I'm not the same Michael I was. I've had some encounters with God that have been painful. Some encounters with God where I've struggled. And I've let God talk to me. And I said, no, God, that's not really true. And God's like, yes, it is. And we just go back and forth and back and forth. And because of that, because I've been willing to do that, I've come out on, on another side. And I'm no longer who I once was. And I'm glad. Man, I am so glad. I mean, I was happy. I was happy I lived a good life and I didn't care about anything and I just lived a life for me and I was okay with that, but I'm so, I'm so glad that that's not me anymore. 
Why? Well, eternal life for one thing. Because I have joy in my life that I never, I was happy, but I wasn't joy filled. Now when I experience suffering and hurts and frustrations, I know that there's something better still. Yesterday when we were celebrating Gracie's birthday, we brought out a, a cake. And uh, we set it before her. It was her little thir- three or three candles on it. And she smiled when she saw the fire. And as all, you know, kids do, I guess. And didn't get a little afraid. Um, and we put it before her. And, and Jenna blew the candles out. And, and then we kind of pushed it forward towards her. And, and she pushed it away. And so Jenna tried again to, to, to get it towards her. And she just, you know, really pushed it away hard. And so we took a little icing on our finger and tried to get it to her mouth, and she blocked that as well. If you don't know, my, my daughter hasn't had anything to eat by her mouth in um, probably a year, really, anything significant. She eats through a tube that's in her stomach, and we feed her four times a day a can of formula that goes in. wasn't exactly the three-year-old birthday party I was picturing wasn't exactly what I was expecting to happen when my daughter turned three. My son, when he has his birthday party, I'm sure will be face first in the cake. But still, I sat there with the video camera. And I knew she wouldn't eat it. So that night... When we put her to bed, we got down on our knees by our crib, and we wrestled with God. I mean, come on, God. It's her birthday. Just a piece of cake. thing about it is I know that she will eat again I know it with every fiber of who I am I know that she will eat I know that there will be a time when she can rival her brother for how much she can put away or her mother yeah y'all just think she's skinny I know there will be a time when my daughter joyfully experiences the same things we do. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it's here on this earth that she'll do that. I pray, I pray that it is. But I don't know that for sure. But as we struggle with God, as we wrestle with God, I know deep in my soul that there will be a day when she is healed. That there will be a day because of Jesus Christ and because of his death and resurrection that she will eat again, that she will walk, that she will talk, that she will be completely healed. I know there will be a day when that will occur. Where and when I see it is irrelevant because it will happen. Friends, if you don't struggle with God, when these moments happen in your life, you're going to struggle in the world. If you don't have those times where you wrestle with God and let God build your strength and build your heart and let him be your strength. When these moments happen, they'll break you. 
man, I'm not the same Michael I was. I'm a different Michael. I'm, a, I'm one who has hope and life inside of me. And while those things hurt and hurt bad, I look forward. I look forward to her life and everything that God's going to do in it. Look, Jacob isn't the only one that's ever gone by himself to wrestle with God. He's not the only one that took time to get away. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. Verse 41, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not what I want, but what you do. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his, his, that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples. Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, went by himself and wrestled with God. He was about to go through something so unimaginably painful. He knew what it would be. He knew how it would hurt. And so he goes off by himself and he gets down on his face and he says, God, I need you to be here for me right now. I need you to strengthen me because I can't do this on my own. This is God doing this. If Jesus Christ, our Savior, goes off and takes those moments to wrestle with God and to be strengthened by God, man, we need to do that too. We need to do that too. We need to find those moments where we can go by ourselves to get alone with God and get authentic with God and let God change us. Let God change us to who he wants us to be. Yeah, this Christmas season we talk about the sweet baby Jesus. And we talk about how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is. And we picture him in the manger. And if you come Christmas Eve to the 5 o'clock service, you'll see the traditional Christmas pageant with the little innkeeper and, and Mary and Joseph and the baby and all those wonderful things that we like to, to put a smile on and think about it this time of year. But let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to take this Christmas season, the celebration of your Lord and Savior, his arrival to earth, a little deeper this year. Take it a little deeper and don't just look at the presents and the gifts and the carols and the movies and all those wonderful things. But look at your heart and soul and look at your relationship with Christ. And if you don't have one, please come talk to me about it. Please come talk to me about it because let me tell you, it's the coolest thing I've ever done is give my life to Christ. Man, I've done some cool things. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much, Lord, for, for those moments in our life when we have the discipline to go and to be with you, to leave the world behind and to seek solace in you. God, even though sometimes it's a struggle, sometimes we end up wrestling with you. Lord, we thank you that you are there. We thank you that you care so much for us, that you, that you give us the strength, that you give us the peace to move forward in this world. God, this time of year we celebrate the birth of your Son, 
our Savior. We celebrate this precious child who came into a world of hatred, a world of pain, a world of suffering. In fact, Lord, he came into a world just like the one we live into today. But he was still willing to come. He was still willing to give his life for us. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen.